Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Let's shift gears for just a moment here. Whenever you're ready, I'll take your cue. Welcome to Blinking Red, a podcast dedicated to truth-telling for these uncertain times. This is a defining moment in our country's history. A testing time, the likes of which we have never been through before. Hello everyone, I'm Dan Rather, and this is the quickly becoming world famous Blinking Red all modesty aside, in the time of Trump. This podcast is written and produced to try to help you understand and navigate these uncertain times with your reporter, a veteran journalist who has not seen it all, but has seen quite a bit at least once. I want to begin by thanking all of you who have listened and subscribed to this effort. This is a whole new venture for us, but I'm really enjoying our contribution to Unwinding the Confusion... We come to you again from our News and Guts Worldwide headquarters in New York City. The partisan divide that we thought couldn't possibly grow deeper has done just that. President Donald Trump has ushered in an era of ugly, angry politics not seen before in my lifetime. The Republican Party has become the Trump Party. And if you're a GOP politician in Washington, you'd better get with the program or else, adios. It's Trump's way or the highway. Get out of here. Get out of here. Go home to mommy. The president's approval ratings are low. But his numbers are huge compared to members of Congress who are hovering in the public opinion polls approval category, just below 20%, where President Trump is generally in somewhere in the low 40s. Mr. Speaker. But it's Congress that I want to talk to you about today. A once critical check on presidential power, the legislative branch, has been all but abandoned, a responsibility abdicated by the GOP. And just as importantly, bipartisanship on life support for a very long time is now all but dead. And with it, any chance of getting much done that's in the interest of all Americans. Just how partisan is Washington? Every once in a while, tempers come to the surface such as during the recent debate on tax cuts. 
Well, Mr. But Chairman, it's not true. with all due respect, I get sick and tired of the richest people Regular in this order, country Mr. Chairman. getting richer and Regular richer order. And richer. Order. Regular order. Regular order. We do a tax Regular order. Middle class Regular order. And over or and over. Or just pick about any rally of Donald Trump's. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Send them bastards back. I'm sure that paperwork comes in Spanish. So here we are. America's political system long the envy of the world, suddenly seems to be circling the drain. This country has seen relatively few times when both parties work together to pass meaningful legislation, but I was witness to one of those moments. There's warm applause from members of both parties as the president sets to work. President Johnson calls for all Americans to back what he calls a turning point in history. It was the summer of 1964 just months after John Kennedy's assassination. And I was covering the White House as the chief White House correspondent for CBS News. President Kennedy had wanted civil rights legislation, and Democrats wanted to pass a bill to honor the late president. Finally, despite fierce opposition, civil rights legislation was passed and signed into law by President Johnson on July 2nd, 1964. Congress passes the most sweeping civil rights bill ever to be written into the law. And this was a monumental bipartisan effort, making it illegal for the first time, illegal to discriminate based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And thus reaffirms the conception of equality for all men that began with Lincoln and the Civil War 100 years ago. Nothing even remotely akin to this had been passed as national law since the time of Abraham Lincoln. The Negro won his freedom then. He wins his dignity now. Five hours after the House passes the measure, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 is signed at the White House by President Johnson. I remember President Johnson signing the legislation in the White House and handing the pen to Martin Luther King, Jr., This Civil Rights Act is a challenge to all of us to go to work in our communities and our states, in our homes and in our hearts, to eliminate the last vestiges of injustice in our beloved country. I, along with many other reporters, had interviewed President Johnson many times. President Johnson was by far the most accessible American president, perhaps ever, but certainly in modern times. Those of us who were covering the White House would see him sometimes six, seven, eight times a day. Reporters, generally speaking, are not allowed in the presidential living quarters of the White House these days, but President Johnson would have reporters over from time to time, and sometimes including this one. And he often discussed trying to get landmark civil rights legislation passed. And in conversations with him, he would say things like, I have a very narrow window here, meaning that in the wake of President John Kennedy's assassination, President Johnson realized that the national mood was to have unity and reconciliation, and he recognized this was the time. And I can recall him saying on more than one occasion, If it doesn't get done now, that is, breakthrough civil rights legislation, it probably won't get passed for a very long time. 
So he was active, personally very active, night and day, determined to do everything possible to get the civil rights legislation passed. And among the things that President Johnson said, he would say things such as, I have no illusions. If we get the civil rights legislation passed, it's going to be good for the country. It's going to be good for the country if I can get it through. But it will be bad for my party, the Democratic Party. And President Johnson said not once, but several times in my presence, the Democratic Party, said Lyndon Johnson, would suffer for at least the next 20 or 25 years. And it turned out he was right about that. Of course, it wasn't, as things turned out, just one piece of civil rights legislation. There was a series of pieces of civil rights legislation that got through in the period 1964 and 1965. There was also Medicare, another bipartisan effort under Lyndon Johnson. That was passed and signed in 1965. There was, again, fierce opposition to it. But there were enough Republicans going along with the Democratic president and the Democratic Congress to get those things passed. Now, later came the Endangered Species Act in 1973 and the Americans with Disabilities Act in 1990. There are a few other examples of bipartisan efforts in Congress to get needed legislation passed. But suffice to say, when it comes to examples... It's a fairly short list. Partisanship and rancor rule the day. And the way legislation becomes law is also radically different today. I can remember back in 1948, it was President Harry Truman who coined the phrase, do nothing Congress. It's the business of the Democratic Party to see that the people get a fair share of these things. This last worst 80th Congress proved just the opposite for the Republicans. The country can't afford another Republican Congress. But that year, 1948, 906 bills were passed. Fast forward now to today, and the number is less than half that. You could call today's Congress the really do-nothing bunch. Congress has still done nothing. And listen, my friends, the small amount of legislation is not about smaller government. Don't be fooled. Legislation today is often wrapped in a huge, what's called, omnibus bill that, frankly, few representatives or senators actually read. They're usually hundreds, if not thousands, of pages long. And guess what's inside? Many times the bills are loaded with benefits for special interests. Big corporations, big unions, all kinds of special moneyed interests. Nancy Pelosi once said, you have to pass it to find out what's in it. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Think about that for a moment. Is this any way to run a government? To that I would answer, and I suspect you would answer, no. That raises the question, what to do? We seem stuck in this legislative system that's going nowhere fast. 
the question continually comes up, who will put country above party? Well, one group thinks they have at least a partial answer to that. In 1967, veterans made up 75% of the House of Representatives. In 1975, veterans made up 81% of the U.S. Senate. Now, these were veterans primarily of World War II and Korea, with a few early combatants in Vietnam mixed in. But as that generation, the World War II generation in Korea primarily, moved on, the percentage of military veterans in Congress has dropped markedly. Currently, it stands at a mere 18%. There's a movement afoot to try and unite at least some Republicans and Democrats by electing more of America's military veterans. An editorial in the Washington Post calls it, quote, the most positive trend on the political horizon. Seth Moulton, this former combat Marine, now represents Massachusetts in Congress. He's a Democrat, a graduate of Harvard with a degree in physics, among other things. We have a commander-in-chief who dodged the draft five times to get out of serving himself, but it brings to the fore how important it is to have a commander-in-chief who actually understands what's going on in the world, who understands the stakes, who understands what it means to be a soldier or a Marine on the ground in Iraq and have Iranians uh, try to target you and kill your buddies. Will more veterans in Congress make a difference? The short answer is yes, especially as a check on military decisions by the White House. It'd be nice to have someone in power who's been there to say, wait a minute, before sending our children and grandchildren into harm's way. The men and women of the military know what it means to serve their country. They're drilled in the credo, duty, honor, country. They fought together in Iraq and in Afghanistan and in many far-flung places around the globe. These men and women know sacrifice, and lots of veterans are running in the midterm election, and they are getting some support. Join us now, Democratic Congressman Seth Moulton of Massachusetts. Congressman, always good to have you with us. So tell us this morning, you as a Democrat, What's your story? Where do you want to take us as a Democrat, the Democratic Party? Where are we going? Well, the reality is that a lot of Americans are hurting today. Uh, a lot of Americans are feeling unsafe. A lot of Americans feel like they can't even pay the next health care bill that, that comes across there, uh, that, that comes to them. And so what we need uh, are leaders who have the courage to be honest about the problems that we face in America and are actually going to develop an economic plan for the future so that every American has a job that matters in the new economy, not going back into the coal mines like Trump says, but in the new economy. We need leaders who understand how to make us strong and safe in our national security, not leaders who, who tweet at our enemies, but people who actually have strong plans to keep us safe. 
and smart plans to make sure that we're meeting the threats of the future, not just relying on a military of the past. And we need Democrats who are willing to reform government. If we're the party that believes that, that government can help, then let's show how we're going to make sure government works for everybody in America. And the kind of leaders that I'm seeing across this country who are stepping up, many of them serving the country again, people who put their lives on the line for the country once and are now ready to serve again, people like MJ Hager down in Texas, uh, a hero in the, uh, in the Iraq war, who says, I want to serve this country again. People like Mikey Sherrill, uh, uh, a Navy helicopter pilot up in, up in New Jersey, uh, who have said, I don't care about how hard this challenge on is. She took on the chairman of House Appropriations, and she's going to win that race. So there are extraordinary leaders who are stepping up, who have the courage to be honest about the problems that we face, and are going to lead not just because they're Democrats, but because they're leaders who believe in this country. Congressman Seth Moulton. Now, if you'll indulge me. I have recently said and written several times that we are in the midst of a great and possibly decisive battle for the soul of our country. I do not say this lightly. I say it because I believe it. But to think there hasn't been big challenges before for this nation and all nations is to lose sight of some important perspective. So I've been on the lookout for resonance from the past often in literature, and particularly in poetry. Today I came across some words that stirred me, and I wanted to share with you. It is a verse adaptation by the Irish Nobel Prize-winning poet Seamus Heaney of a play by the ancient Greek playwright Sophocles. It's titled, The Cure at Troy. It spoke to me with a feeling that can seem rare these days, but which we must endeavor to nurture, hope. Human beings suffer. They torture one another. They get hurt and get hard. History says, don't hope on this side of the grave. But then, once in a lifetime, the longed-for tidal wave of justice can rise up, and hope and history rhyme. So hope for a great sea change on the far side of revenge. Believe that a further shore is reachable from here. Believe in miracles and cures and healing wells. Believe in hope. As in the times of the old Greeks, and has been true so many times through the arc of history for our country in this time of peril, hope mixed with resolve should be our polar star. And that's this edition of Bleaking Red. We're always interested in what you have to say, so drop us a line at newsandguts.com or on our Facebook and Twitter pages. I'm Dan Rather. Thanks for listening. Stay studying.
podcast was produced by Pippa. It was mixed by Simon Marcus in New York City. Editorial assistance from Wayne Nelson and Madeline Rowe. Music by Lunatic Wolf, Aaron Winfield, Michael Young, and Simon Marcus. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.